Hey everybody, it's Tug Coker and Catherine Wild Coker. We're just excited to announce that we've chosen a winner for round two of our contest. And that winner is Adrian Dowd. Congratulations. We will be sending you two bottles of wine that are going to be featured on upcoming episodes. And we thank you so much for your review and for listening and subscribing to The Long Finish. That's right. We've done this twice now. Two contests where we select two people that have rated, reviewed, and subscribed to our show, and we'll deliver two bottles of wine for them to enjoy as they listen to The Long Finish. So if you want to enter, you can do that now. Just rate, review, and subscribe to our show. Then send the review via DM to our Instagram at The Long Finish, letting us know it's your review, and you'll be entered to win the next time we do the contest, presumably sometime this summer. Right, Catherine? Absolutely. We'll keep them coming. Yeah, so... Please take that time, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. You'll get entered to the contest next time. It's you. But congratulations, Adrian. You won this time. Thank you so much, Adrian. And now, let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Wild Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for asking. Was <laughs> that serious? <laughs> <laughs> What was what serious? Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> what am I, the Truman Show? It seemed like it for a minute there. That's my inspiration. One of the great movies of all time, in my opinion. Well, you should rewatch that. The Truman, I'd love to rewatch that. When we have the time to watch a movie. We haven't watched a movie. I don't know. This ages. entire quarantine. Nope. Just been crazy busy. Well, we have watched some basketball. The Last Dance. Yeah, that's been great. That's been super fun. And I've, I've been really enjoying the fact that you... Or having so much fun with it. I am. Makes me think of like back to the 90s and there was a stardom and Michael Jordan that was like, <sighs> will never be replicated. And there's something about the stars that are famous when you're in your teens, when you're in, you're in high school, that nothing can ever be as big as that. Don't you think? Yeah, it makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad we're talking basketball because this is episode 32 of The Long Finish, otherwise known as the Magic Johnson episode. You know why that's the Magic Johnson episode, Catherine? I'm just guessing that was his number. That's correct. Thanks. And I just did a quick little bout of research. With the most famous number 32, it's got to be Magic Johnson. Some other people in consideration are Kevin McHale from the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah. I know who that is. Awesome. Jim Brown. No. Um, oh, wow. Football legend. Okay. A social activist, actor. Sandy Koufax, great pitcher for the Dodgers. Yes. O.J. Simpson. Wow. For the Buffalo Bills Hello. and the Trojans. Yeah. Carl Malone for the Jazz. A lot of great number 32s, but Magic probably is the greatest of them all. So we'll try to make this a great episode in honor of Magic Johnson. If he's listening, I hope he feels that spirit. I'm sure you are, Magic. What's up, man? Hope you're doing well. And to honor you, we're going to talk about a wine that I know that you love. This is Provence-style rosé <laughs> magic. Hey, I bet he does right now. You Who know? doesn't love Provence-style rosé? Who doesn't? I mean, 
If you're not a wine drinker, I guess not. But if you're a wine drinker, come on. Yeah. And now we're hitting that time of year where, although I saw some s- the snowing videos really? in Connecticut, I think. Uh, so you, maybe you're not ready for a rosé in oh, Connecticut. Dear. But we're hitting to that In point a of few the year. weeks. Yeah, get into rosé. So what are we drinking tonight? Tonight, we are drinking the Chateau Parasol from Commanderie de Parasol. It's a rosé, 2019, from Côte de Provence in France. This is, in my opinion, the top of the top, quintessential Provence rosé. It is an absolute pleasure. The second we opened the bottle, I had to have a tiny sneak peek when we were having our dinner, although it was just a sneak. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yes, this is exactly what you want. On a warm night at 630, you're having some salad. You're like, oh, man, this is summer, summer in a glass. That's what Provence Rosé is. I mean, I think to many people, but certainly to me. Well, we've talked about a few different types of rosé on the show over the course of this year, some of the darker-hued rosés. But this is, I would say, prototypically considered like the staple rosé. Well, Provence Rosé is always a light-hued rosé. I mean, that that's just what's very typical of the region. So people you know, who have gotten to know that or love that will always look for that. And they have this prejudice against the darker rosés because they love that Provence style. If you will, it's the 90s star. It's your teenage year star of wines. It is. To wrap that up and do a nice little Well, it's like, it's the only region in France and maybe region in the world that is really like founded on rosé. I mean, that's so much, so much of their production, and we'll talk more about that later, but they have an institute of rosé there. I mean, they take it very seriously. They know what they're doing. Yeah, but let's get into it. Let's talk about a big week for us. This is the time of year, as we alluded to last week, a big run of events, your birthday. Our son turns four, Bo turned four this week, and we have, we're taping this on Saturday night before Mother's Day, so we've got a quite a little run of events. We took a small little trip down to Anaheim to quarantine in another house, uh, a Disneyfied house, because we couldn't do anything really with either you know family members or his friends. So we just tried to make it fun. We got rented a place in a small pool. That was fun. Never saw another person. It was super safe. It was super fun. And like he has not been into any of the Zoom classes or seeing friends from a distance or even FaceTime. He's just does not like any of that stuff. So trying to recreate a party virtually was just not going to work. So I think just getting out of it, you know, and having fun in a pool for three days, gosh, there's nothing better. It was awesome. It was full Paw Patrol for us as it has been for the last two months. All Paw Patrol all the time. Listeners out there, what Paw Patrol character are you? I'm just curious. Let me know. DM us. <laughs> if you're, if you're, oh my gosh. No. You goon. I'm again? Rocky though. Exactly. And I'm Marshall. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was very fun to get into a place that we don't have air conditioning in our apartment, uh, which you don't need that often in Santa Monica, but we it's a nice treat for us when we go to places other than ours. But it was fun to celebrate our kid and have some thoughts, you know, about the fact that we have a four-year-old. And I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there have kids older than us, and you're amazed by how fast they grow up, and it's no different for us. Four years. Amazing. Yeah. Congrats to us. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about the wine, shall we? Let's do it. Do you want to do a quick recap on what we're drinking tonight? And then let's get into why this wine is so special, but also the region at large of Provence. Great. 
So we are drinking the Chateau Parasol. This is from Commanderie de Parasol. It's the Rosé 2019 from Côte de Provence in Provence. Now, I am a little bit confused. I think traditionally they were called Commanderie de Parasol, and now they're called Chateau de Parasol, but it's sort of interchangeable. In any case, this is the like top elite cuvee of the estate. They make many rosés. They make whites. They make reds. They're a big estate. But some of their fruit for the lower end cuvées they buy because they just produce quite a bit of wine. But from this elite cuvée, this is only from their top vineyards and the oldest vines, which are 35-year-old vines. A little bit about this estate because it's pretty darn cool. They are in the heart of Provence, in the Côte de Provence, and they're actually founded in 1256. Can you believe that? Founded by the Knights of Templar, which who you should probably know who that is since you're a history buff, right? Can you tell us? I cannot. Well, they were dedicated to protecting the crusaders that were en route to the Holy Land. Oh my gosh. Pretty cool stuff. It's from that's from the last crusade. Yeah. It's those guys. It's you chose wisely. That's it. Wow. It's pretty epic. Pretty cool. <laughs> So over the years, it changed many hands, different groups, and then it was after the French Revolution run by the state, but it was purchased by a family in the late 1800s. And in 1977, Francois Rigord, a woman of that family, decided to make and market the wines for the first time, the family that owned that. And this was pretty epic for a woman to do this in like the late 70s and 80s. In 1981, she sold the first vintage to the public and... And later on, she wrote a book called La Dame de Parasol that was like about her experiences as one of the rare women on the forefront of the wine trade. So awesome. I mean, I haven't read this, but I cannot wait to read this. Like, what a cool lady. In 2001, she and the family sold the winery to Philippe Austri, who modernized a lot of things, invested, expanded the property, which is great. But... Such a cool history about this woman. So, so we're in Provence. This is in Côte de Provence in the Var, which is north of Saint-Tropez. We'll talk about Provence maybe in a little bit. But this is a huge estate. They have 850 hectares and they're surrounded by 165 hectares of forest. Only 80 are, are planted to vines. So you can imagine how like this is kind of on this big plateau. It's super sunny. It's rustic. It's in the trees. It's hot. It's dry. This is the top, top cuvee from their best vineyards. It's a blend of Cinso, Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra, and Roll. And this is a direct press rosé. So it means that all of those grape varieties come into the winery and are pressed right away. They don't spend time, the juice doesn't spend time with the skins of the grapes, but it goes through the skins. So of course it does get pick up some color, but that's why the color is so, so very light. This is all in stainless steel. And these vineyards, for these vines, they're in organic conversion. They've not been treated with synthetics or fertilizer. Whew. Should we taste this wine? Let's do it. So this color is insane. Sometimes this color is known as either vin gris or people say ballet slipper pink because it is so, so very light. This very, very delicate peach, that like color that people covet 
you know, when they're looking for rosé. And swirling the glass. Are you getting any legs on yours? Oh, yeah. I do. You are. They come pretty fast. Yeah. They're coming. It's kind of, it's sheeting is what it's doing. So this is. Sheeting being what? So there aren't really like legs. It's not hanging on the glass per se. It's more just when it goes to the edge of the glass, when you swirl it and it goes up, it just sort of all comes down right away. Yeah. Usually that means it's lower alcohol. Let's find out. Ooh, so expressive on the nose. When I think about fruits, I think red berries, strawberries, tangerine, ruby red grapefruit, lime, lemon, and then other things bursting with white flowers, thyme, lavender, dried herbs, which in Provence and in southern France is sometimes called garrigue, that blend of wild herbs that just sort of blows around in the fields. This has that. Also get like some spices, maybe like a white peppercorn, fennel or anise, and maybe green pepper, like a crunchy green thing. Then minerality as well, like wet stones. Ooh, this is complex. Okay, let's taste it. Dry, light to medium body, I would say. Maybe more medium because there is some great texture up front. It's got this creamy texture that just changes into mouthwatering acidity on the tongue. The acid is high and all the things we said on the nose, more underripe. So like this just not quite ripe strawberry, a tart grapefruit, a tart tangerine, but just fresh and juicy. I don't really get any much of the herbs or the spices on the palate. It's just those like super fresh, underripe, juicy notes. But then I do get that wet stone, that minerality. Again, that's a, a clue to it being old world. You said previously about the underripe exactly. quality of the fruit. When the quality of the fruit that you get on the nose is riper than the quality of the fruit that you get on the palate, that's an indicator that it's from the old world. But all that bright fruit, I mean, it is coming from quite a hot area. So it kind of makes sense that it just is like bursting with this juiciness. But it's still very, very dry and light. And I mean, this is just a showstopper for rosé. What's cool about the wine is that you rattled off like 10 to 12 things in the nose of the wine, which shows it has complexity, but it drinks so easily and with such pleasure. It's like not fussy, but it is complex. I think that's you know interesting for a rosé. What a great um, combo. I mean, you yeah. can pay attention to all those things or you could not and you could just drink it and completely enjoy it. Yeah. So this is a perfect wine to bring for people who are wine lovers and then people who just want to drink rosé because both of them will totally love it. Yep. I'm just saying, ah, I love this wine. It's awesome. I love it. Would you say this this wine has a reputation because of, because it's so classic? There's it is so classic, and there's so much rosé produced in Provence, and we can talk a little bit about Provence. But there's so much rosé. This estate's been there forever. They're so classic, and they're so true to what they do, and they've just been making quality wines. They're not ployed by marketing. They're just making excellent wines. Yeah, this is the tippity top for me. This particular cuvee is organic. 
which I know is important to you. They do have uh, some lower level wines that are well made, but the fruit is not organic, correct? Yes. So the entire estate is inorganic conversion. They have been loot resiné, which basically means it's kind of like sustainable. It means we do everything as organic as possible. Occasionally we use pesticides. They had been doing that. But now they are in organic conversion and all their own estate vineyards have been organic for the last, I want to say five years, but they're waiting on their certification. But for the lower end cuvées, which are beautiful as well, they do purchase some of that fruit. So those, not all of that fruit is organic. So this one is, this is why I bought this particular cuvée because I bought and enjoyed other wines from them in the past, but that's why I bought this one. The top one, the best one. Let's talk Provence. So Provence. Provence is in the southeast corner of France. It is on the Mediterranean coast, Saint-Tropez. It's 150 miles wide, so not that big, and 100 miles north to south. It's pretty small, but it's really vast. It's hot in general. There's a lot of altitude and mountainous region when you get a little bit inland, and then the coast is the coast. It's the Mediterranean coast. But 88% of the production is rosé. 88%. And here's another cool thing. They've been making wine here for 2,600 years. 2,600 years, making it the oldest producing wine region in France. Can you believe that? And obviously the home of Rosé, we've said that. I mean, that's pretty cool. But it's super warm, tons of sunshine, not that much rain, warm days, cool nights, and there's these winds. These winds that we talk about when we talked about the Rhone Valley are the same in Provence. It's called the Mistral. And they're fierce winds that keep the vineyards dry and the skies clear and make it possible for people to make organic wine, certainly, because it keeps away pests. The other thing about Provence, which I mentioned earlier, are those wild herbs growing everywhere. Lavender, thyme, sage, other things. And in the wine, we generally call that garrigue because there's just herbs growing everywhere. I mean, that's how I picture. How do you spell that? Garrigue is G-A-R-R-I-G-U-I-E. And that's kind of what what I picture when I picture Provence. Like the mountains meet the ocean. There's like lavender growing. There's sunflowers. There's olive trees. There's vines. And I'm sitting outside on a patio drinking my rosé. And, you know, in the past for years... People drank rosé on ice, you know, but it has been always a fine wine in specific regions of Provence. And probably the most high-end or notable regions are Bandol and Cassis, where there are higher restrictions, they're very specific areas, and the wines are pricier. Cote de Provence is the largest region. It's 75% of all the production of Provence. It's huge, and it's really vast. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. You know, there are great places in Cote de Provence, and then there's just like, you know, conventional bulk wine in Cote de Provence. It just really varies. In general, Provence rosés, light in color, dry, you got the herbs, you get red berries, you have some citrus, you have some spice, they're high acid, and they can range from being lighter to full body. This is kind of medium tonight. That's Provence. I mean, to me, one of my top places I want to visit. 2021, baby. Sounds great. It's funny because the Provence region and some of the ways you describe the wine tonight remind me of the regions uh, in the Veneto. 
not necessarily the, the, how they're similar, but you talked about in episode 26, you talked about the sparkling rosé, which I believe it also at one point was Lut Resiné. Talk about it also being a region that is known for some bulk wines with some quality stuff in between. So it is just a comparison then that came to mind. But two rosés, one being sparkling, this being Provence-style, episode 26, if you want to Well, yeah, I, I almost would think about that more as like Prosecco and rosé. Okay. Big yeah. regions that do produce a lot of bulk wine, a Makes lot of conventional sense. wine yeah. that is just for marketing and, you know, swill, if you will, or just, you know, entry-level boring wine. But then there's some amazing producers as well. And it's just it just really pays to know who they are. It pays to look at the importer. I mean, this is imported by Rosenthal. Again, another it's two weeks in a row. Fantastic importer. Yeah. And it pays to just get a good recommendation. Do a little research, not just go with whatever is stacked the highest at the grocery. <laughs> that is an inside yeah, joke, it's inside joke, people. Just for the two of us. You know, rosé has sort of had a boom, but rosé wasn't always popular, right? Provence, you just, they still stayed tried and true to making rosé, even when it wasn't the most popular, as popular as rosé seems to be at the moment. Rosé has always been popular in Provence. I mean, you know, you go to France and go to Provence in the summer, you're always going to drink rosé. And probably in other parts of France and other parts of Europe as well. And that's but, because it's refreshing. That's just it's yes. just refreshing. It has anything to do with the ease with which you can make rosé too, or I'm just I'm asking. I don't think it's about the production and just how about it's how refreshing. It just fits like the the mood. Yeah, the and it's it the grapes that grow well there are Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra, Roll. Those red grapes produce some pretty intense red wines. It's hot there. It's really sunny. You want something refreshing, rosé is the answer. Now, the whites, something like roll, the whites tend to be a little bit oily, more textured, have a lot of weight to them. They're great. They're complex. But I wouldn't say that they're always refreshing. The rosé is. And this can be complex and refreshing at the same time. I agree. So if you're thinking about food pairings for Provence-style rosé, what are you thinking about? This has so many options, but I think actually the last sip I got really had that like white pepper, green pepper on the palate as well. I think something spicy would be fabulous with this. Something of the sea, I'm assuming, would be delicious. Oh, anything like like frutti de mari or like fresh fish would just be fabulous of any kind. That you know, just a roasted halibut with fresh herbs would be lovely with a salad with fennel and grapefruit would be fantastic. Well, we had that meal. Were you describing our dinner that we're probably going to have we tomorrow night? We had that night. meal, yeah. yeah. Exactly. This would be perfect. Yeah, Too bad again. we're drinking. <laughs> no, it's, it's me Mother's Day. I'll run it back. Mm, sounds good. Yeah. Um, I would think like shrimp tacos or something would wow. be awesome. You could do some, any kind of like roasted summer veg. Summer veg on the grill would be great with this. You could even do like a spicy sausage might be delicious with this rosé. I'd say as far as cheeses, maybe something lighter. And this I'm excited to talk about because local wine purveyors, local wine stores, how do we tell our listeners to go and find this wine or a wine similar to what we're drinking tonight? Well, you definitely can find Provence rosé in most wine stores 
I would say any wine store. I would talk to someone, like I always say, talk to someone about the producer. I would not just buy something based on the points or based on the popularity but talk to somebody about that producer. Many wine stores will always stock the, you know, top rated wines or the most popular wines. But I would go for something that maybe isn't the most popular and you talk to someone about because they probably bought it for a reason. If it's Miraval and, you know, many people love that wine, it's going to sell itself. Nobody needed to pick that. Buy something that someone chose for a reason. Maybe it has a story. Maybe it's just exceptional and extra special. But if they have this, get this. It's such a gorgeous bottle. It's really long and tall and thin. And it's just a sexy bottle. And it's got a super classic white label with a little emblem on it. It's just super classy. It's delicious. So hopefully you're out there enjoying Provence-style rosé with us, or you're just enjoying it at another time. But yeah, everyone seems to have a a small soft spot in their hearts from Provence-style rosés. So hopefully you're stocking up for the summertime. All right, now let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. Catherine, you want to go first? Of course. I just want to say, I think this segment is very important because... Especially during a quarantine, I'm completely reminded that if you do not fill up your own cup with inspiration, no one, no one is going to do it for you. So if you get down in the dumps, there's very few that are going to be just randomly picked up. You got to go find that inspiration. So this past week, I have been inspired by this fabulous book collection of essays, other stories, called Eight Whopping Lies by Brian Doyle. This was sent to me for my birthday from my fabulous Aunt Amy that I have talked about before on this episode. Thank you for listening, Amy. I love you so much. And thank you for this fabulous book. I don't have tons of time to read, but I do have time for these short essays. And I haven't always been a fan of collections of essays because sometimes those end up being writers ways to talk about themselves and be narcissistic but this is not that these are little meditations on moments in life very very small moments things that this writer the late Brian Doyle observed and it's touching inspiring I'm in tears nearly every story He happened to be Catholic, and so some of the essays reflect that. He also liked sports, and some reflect that, and was a father, and some reflect that. But they are just about moments in life, and I find this very touching and inspiring. A wonderful, wonderful writer to know, Brian Doyle. All right. I was thinking earlier this week, we talked about previously on the podcast, haven't got the opportunity to watch as many shows or see as many movies that we'd like to during this time. But I was thinking about the last movie that inspired me trying to work on a script right now. I've been working on a script for the past six months on hopefully something that I look forward to making in the next whatever year or two. And Catherine's been nice enough to help me this week with some thoughts. But I was thinking about a movie that really inspired me. And the movie's called The Farewell. It's an independent movie a bigger size independent movie by Lulu Wang. Uh, I think it's her second film that she wrote and directed. It stars Aquafina, And I saw this movie maybe in March, right as I was coming back from 
New York City. And the movie's fantastic. It's a movie that I think I recommend to all ages, uh, to your aunts, to my parents. It's basically the story of a Chinese family who discovers that their grandmother has only a short while left to live and decides to keep her in the dark and doesn't tell her about this condition. And they schedule a wedding to gather as a family unit before she passes away. And I feel like this, it's just a really great movie. The movie is touching, the movie is thoughtful, the movie is poignant, the movie is funny. And so if you're out there and you're looking for something that is contemplative but also heartwarming, I would say check out The Farewell. I think it has a lot of buzz and a lot of street cred in the uh, film community and done in a really, really thoughtful, thoughtfully shot way. So if you're looking for something to watch in the next week or two, check out The Farewell by Lulu Wang as something to uh, fill up your nights. All right. That's it. Episode 32 is in the books. The Magic Johnson episode is complete. Magic, I know you're listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you thought it was good as you were at basketball. Catherine, where can they find you and the long finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Catherine Weil Coker on Facebook. And you can find the long finish at the long finish on Instagram and the long finish on Facebook. You can find the long finish on Twitter at TLF pod. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at tug Coker. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to our show. We have some great episodes in store the next few weeks, some great ones to introduce you to. Thank you to everyone for continuing to rate review and subscribe to our show. We love seeing the those reviews and those subscriptions it means a lot to us if you have an opportunity to just give us a quick review and a five-star rating it would mean the world to us everyone have a great week stay safe be happy practice social distancing and of course happy drinking ciao